Hello, everyone. On today's podcast, I have the pleasure of spending some quality time with Teo Alfaro. He's an author, a conservationist, and founder of the Wolf Connection in Los Angeles, which is an amazing sanctuary. And just to help you appreciate some of his insights and expertise, I want to share a few words from the introduction to his book, The Wolf Connection. The approachable wolf, subtle, almost in slow motion, confident and decisive, seeking connection on her or his own terms, can stretch time, open the heart and awaken the soul. Wolves have a heart-centered, awe-inspiring presence that is unforgettable and impactful beyond language. An encounter like this can awaken a dormant, primal memory within us, an echo from a distant time when we were more alert, connected to nature, awake, and alive. Uh, I think that's such a great insight into your thinking about wolves, and I'm very excited. Teo, welcome to the Ecoflix podcast. Thank you, David. Thank you for having me, and thank you for for uh, that that reading. I mean, this uh, gives me the chills to hear it from you. Well, I I loved it, and I think that it touches on actually kind of the roots of what we're going to talk about today, because I think you've really put your finger on the pulse of several important things that we're going to be dealing with. So, um, with that, why don't we jump into sort of an obvious question. Can you share a little bit about your life before wolves? My life before wolves? Well, I, I, yeah, I grew up in Argentina, um, where uh, coming from uh, my, my mother, uh, the lineage of my mother, educators and, and politicians, and my father, uh, business people. And I, I mean, I grew up with animals. My, I mean, you know, we had dogs, and then we had uh, uh, farm animals. Uh, um, so, grew up with cows and ducks and chickens, and so I, I, I have, I, I always had a good deep appreciation for nature. Uh, after high school, I went into the military. That was a few years, uh, and, and uh, rifleman in, a, in in the army. And then I became a professional mountaineer. So most of my 20s, I lived in Patagonia, in the Argentinian Patagonia, and climbing the Andes um, mountain range. Um, and that uh, was a series of events that led me to uh, come to, uh, to L.A. Uh, to, uh, to study, to uh, seek up some professional development. And, and the rest is history, like they say. That's great. And I think... Something obviously happened. What was the beginning of your love story with wolves? It was a convoluted laughter. I always loved animals. So one of the first things that I did when I came to LA is sign up to volunteer at a wildlife preserve. Uh, and, and at the time, that, that small place here in LA, in Topanga, had... Um, a few large carnivores. So it had three mountain lions and a wolf, a single wolf. And all the other volunteers were scared of working with the big the big predators. And I, I, was, I mean, I always felt really uh, attracted and, and drawn to them. 
So I volunteered to care for the three mountain lions and the wolf. So, and I developed, in all honesty, a love affair with all, all four of them. And, and uh, knowing now what I know about wolves, that wolf lived alone in a small enclosure surrounded by mountain lions and other and birds of prey. So it wasn't really the best environment for that animal. But I didn't know that then. And I remember having the, um, that, that, that wolf left a, a lasting impression on me. I didn't know how my life was going to evolve from then, but uh, certainly that, that animal touched, touched me deeply. Similar to what you just described in that reading. It's, it's, it has this deep um, heart opening effect. Yeah, there's a primal connection. And I think a lot of people aren't aware of it because they haven't had the experience of being next to a wolf or being close to one in some capacity, but I have, and it's remarkable, different than dogs, um, much deeper, uh, almost a religious experience. You feel like they know you. Uh, I can't explain it exactly. They're not needy like dogs. And by the way, I love all dogs and I love their neediness because I, mm -hmm. I need them too, but it's different, really different. So let's talk a little bit more about it. Yeah. So after you developed this bond and concept with wolves, all of a sudden you decided you're going to start a sanctuary for wolves. Kind of what was that metamorphosis about? Well, I, in a way, I mean, if I'm going to be honest, I didn't decide anything. The wolves decided. I, I, I was just uh, for the, on for the ride. I mean, they, I had also a, a deep love for, uh, for uh, children, and I have many years ago, pledged my life to be of service to the next generation, which, uh, so being roundabout, I was, I was volunteering with wild animals. At the same time, I was working as a, as a youth interventionist for Hollywood families and as a foster care mentor and, and advocate and, and, and uh, uh, advisor in, in court cases for foster care system. So I was deeply involved in serving animals and serving youth at the same time. And so I, on a roundabout way, I end up uh, rescuing, adopting a little wolf dog puppy that needed help, that coming from a backyard breeder. So, so this, this animal needed a home and, and reluctantly, I would say, I, I adopted this animal. So knowing that they are pack animals, I began a search for a playmate, for a companion. And that search led me to the the northern LA County desert area, high desert, where I found a pack of 16 wolves and wolf dogs uh, coming from a hoarder situation in the desert. Uh, they need care, they need support. So I began volunteering there too. So now I'm 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 working with some wild animals, some of the mountain lions, then this pack of wolves up in the desert, and working with youth. So one day, I, um, I, out of the blue, I'm saying, you know, maybe, you know I be, begin to entertain the thought that maybe I should uh, take the responsibility of caring for this pack of wolves uh, in, a, in a more in a more involved, more committed way. So I voiced those thoughts to the um, to the, the 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 owner of the dog rescue where these wolves were being held, and and in a complete whim, I said, you know, I, I 
I've been thinking about starting a wolf's sanctuary. I didn't know anything, David, nothing. I didn't know how to run a nonprofit. I didn't know how to truly take care of large predators. I don't, I didn't know how to raise money. I didn't, I didn't know anything. It was, it was my heart speaking. And I would say, I think the wolf was speaking through me if I can, if I can go a little woo-woo right now, because I don't know where those thoughts came from, like starting a wolf sanctuary. So this person said, well, okay, I help you. I mean, I help you. I teach you what I know. I help you. So from, uh, from that conversation, I began showing up more, more frequently. I was able to find a small piece of raw land, 20, 20 some acres that I could lease for very cheap. And within a few months, I found myself living on a, on a trailer, in a trailer without electricity or, or plumbing. And I built a bunch of little pens, really, they were not enclosures at the time, they were really small, a bunch of little pens with used materials. And I got a donation of dog food, a really cheap, low quality dog food. So no money, no knowledge. And I burned my, I burned my ships. And uh, so I found myself, you know, I, I, it wasn't settling then even. found right. myself the founder of a wolf sanctuary uh, on a complete whim. Well, you know, the universe found you. You're right. And it is interesting because... Uh, if I were to ask you the next question, which is what were you hoping to accomplish? I think I know the answer. You had no idea at that point. Uh, you were just trying to <laughs> save exactly. the wolves and wait for some idea to come to you. And it did. But I want to get to that a little later. I want to talk a little bit about now that you've spent so much time with wolves, you have a, a very, uh, I think, evocative uh, view of the connection, the human wolf connection. And I'd love for you to share for everybody your reason and thoughts after years of evolution now of thinking and being with wolves about how we relate to them somehow. Yeah, yeah, thank you for that. Uh, just to back up on your previous question, there's one thing that I knew I wanted to accomplish. I wanted to keep those wolves alive. Yeah. Right. I want to provide a, a safe place for those wolves to 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 live the rest of their life. That I that I knew. Beyond that, I had no clue. And how I was going to accomplish that also I had no clue. So on the wolf, look, there is a reason why the presence of a wolf is so evocative. And of course, I mean we can connect to all, all species, right? I mean I you can be with a lizard, you can be with a hamster, you can be with an elephant, as you well know, with your with your elephant project. You can be with a large lions, and so uh, the presence of an animal is evokes something deep in us. And but specifically, the wolf. Science tells us is the first animal we partner with, with associated with, perhaps hundreds of thousands of years ago. And the, the numbers keep changing, you know, depending on the type of research. But there is there is evidence uh, suggesting to a long, long uh, relationship with wolves where we helped each other survive in our uh, as as Neanderthals and early humans. We we hunted together, we migrated together. Native Americans say we took care of each other's young. So the wolf pups were in the in the tribe as the as the human pups were running with the wolves. So, so co-evolutionary biologists now believe or suggest that we carry a genetic memory of our relationship with wolves. 
So when I began, I began to feel that myself. I didn't have that research at the time, but I began to live with these walls and taking care of them every day. And I was changing. I was, I was deepening. I was feeling stronger emotionally. Uh, uh, my personality was, was evolving. So I began to do this research. I, I did research and I found out what I just said. So in an, in an attempt to help both, both species, I thought, well, you know, humans are lost. You know, for the most part, our modern Western society, we are too separated from nature. So how, what if the wolf can help us again? What if the wolf can partner up with us to, to get a clue and stop consuming so much, stop predating so much, stop destroying environments, stop? How, what if the wolf can help us? On the other hand, I'm thinking, well, the wolves are being exterminated in the wild. There's all kinds of misunderstanding about the, the role of the wolves in the wild and how they, are man they have been in the last hundred years mandates government mandates to ex and programs to, to exterminate wolves. And then that's a war on wolves that continues. So I thought, well, why if I can demonstrate that wolves can be valuable to humans, not only just to the environment. People feel so separated from the environment. A lot of people don't care what happens to the environment. They care what happens to them, to their families, how they put food on the table, and that's the extent of the concern. So what happens all the way there in the forest is not a top priority, but what what if they, we can, I can show that the wolves can help kids today here, can help kids get ahead of the game, can help, help kids get out of prison or get out of drug addictions or, or uh, get ahead in the schooling and, and find a motivation for life. Maybe I can make a case for, for saving and protecting the wolves on, on some issues that are closer to the general public. So this is the idea that you were talking about is began to formulate a, a almost like a, the study of a symbiotic relationship between wolves and humans, we can help each other move forward. Yes, and, and I think that larger picture is both exciting. I mean, to me, I love the idea that we have this deep connection. It makes perfect sense to me physically, emotionally, and otherwise. But then there's this incredible, irrational almost hatred among some people for wolves. Uh, we see it around the country. Yep. I mean, we've been trying to rescue wolves together and I've offered to save and pay for uh, wolf pups. And the people said, no, we'd rather kill them than get paid to send them to you. Just an unbelievable sentiment. How does that yep. fit? And what does it do to kind of our dream to be able to rewild wolves and, and populate the appropriate remaining wild spaces with this balancing key predator? So in my own research, uh, the, as you may know, the wolf used to be one of the most sacred animals to most cultures in the cultures of Europe, Asia, even Japan, China, there, there are all, all kinds of wolf mythology, Turkey, and then of course all through the Americas. Uh, you know the, the the what the wolf still signifies for North American uh, indigenous cultures, and and the turn was a religious and cultural turn. So through the time at the time of the Inquisition, the the, the dark ages of humans when we 
be, became the separation from, at, at, up until this point, most traditions were honoring and revering nature, the sun, the moon, the earth, the animals, the forest. That's where the most cultures from the pagan traditions of, of Europe to, to the, the cultures and, and the Americas. We, we revered and, and uh, we were so in touch and, and, and enmeshed with our environment that that's what we revered and, and cared for. And then the time came from the adoration of nature and, and, the, and the elements to the adoration of man. We turned inward. And then we created, we created gods that looked like us. And then the adoration of man. So, and anything that was sacred for humans until that point was deemed, through the, that, the time of the Inquisition, was deemed evil worshiping, devil worshiping. So, and the wolf was not, uh, was not an exception. One of the most sacred animals became uh, a, a symbol for the devil. So initially it was a, a holy quest for the for the people in the uh, in the in you know just a few hundred years ago became a holy quest to eradicate the wolf and then we had the the the, the God mandate to procreate and tame the land so it was about taming the wild for crops and for and for farm animals and for domestic animals. And anything that was wild, from a forest to a wolf to a bear to a mountain lion, it became uh, it became uh, uh, the the enemy. And so, many people don't know this, but we still have ingrained in our subconscious these uh, generational mandates. To, I mean, many people that 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 go kill the 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 wolf, David, they they honestly think that they are doing uh, a good service to, to the herds, to the protecting the people and the children. I mean, they're they are in Idaho, some states, uh, bus stops with signs, with posters of wolves eating children. And so you quit the wolf to protect your kids and who doesn't want to protect their own kids? Right, but yeah. I think it's a it's a at this point it's an issue it's an issue of of an, an education lack of education, uh, um, bias and the bias is subconscious it's religious and it is cultural at this point, but it, so it takes a long time to undo that, yeah. right? And yeah. I mean, who's gonna who's gonna say, well, let's protect the wolf over my children? No one will say. I will not say that. The point is that it's a misunderstanding, and that's why I'm going back to the model of um, of if I can show that the wolf can actually help children, not kill them, maybe we have a chance. Well, you know, we talk, you talked about rewilding. I think know. I think before rewilding the wolf, we need to rewild ourselves, which is right. for you know the way I explain it in my book. Opening our heart is a way of rewilding. So the moment you actually can. Instead of thinking your way through the world, you actually can feel and, and feel the connection and begin to be a little wild ourselves. Maybe we have a chance to save the animals. Well, you know, you're right, of course. And there are a lot of people don't, I think, understand the role of an apex predator. They don't realize that their numbers are relatively limited because the balance of nature requires that the weak and the sick and the populations of animals that are in large numbers, uh, usually prey species, 
need to be controlled. And it may not seem terribly pleasant to watch a hunt and a kill, and it's not something I enjoy seeing, but at the same time, it's part of the natural balance and nature has it worked out so beautifully. And you take out the apex species and you can see, I mean, there's a, a story, there's some people who don't agree with it, but I think it's scientifically pretty sound called how the wolves changed Yellowstone. And the very incremental but important changes that come from eradicating the wolves in such an important uh, wild space and they had to reintroduce them for fear of the place being completely destroyed because of the absence of that key apex predator. So I guess the question at this point for me is, is there an opportunity to change humans, to educate them uh, enough that they're not so anxious to kill wolves and they're willing to let them live in peace? I mean, I'm sure you've thought about it. How, how do we go about that? Well, I mean, my my point. I mean, the, next week you and I are going to meet in uh, in Aspen. Yeah, in uh, this have uh, you know, there's a couple of conventions. One of them is a uh, it's um, uh, a panel on the wolf reintroduction in Colorado. So I'll be there. You'll be there. We'll. Uh, so obviously, I'm deeply involved and 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 concerned for the with the reintroduction efforts. Colorado's having them. There's a lot of conflict there. You're describing what happened in 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 Montana and Wyoming around Yellowstone that was 25 years ago. Stealed a lot of, you know, the wolves are protected in the park, but they're being killed all around it. So yeah, I feel follow. that I'm doing, you know, I put most of my time, most of my time in this model here, a wolf connection, where I constantly try to show that the wolves are actually not only for the for the for the environment and for the ecosystem but also to us to the kids in the cities that's the look it, it's a wild it's a wild um, proposition uh, and it's non-biological based it's co-evolutionary based and is is anthropologically based if you will because the in the in the scenario described before where it's a, a very set culture and views on the wolves coming to kill your children they reject any biological proposition like the one you just made. It's absolutely true. Every study has shown that you cut the head of the pyramid or the pyramid in the ecological pyramid. You cut the head away by killing the the apex predator, and the whole pyramid crumbles. The ungulates over overpopulate. They kill the bushes and the trees. The birds don't have a place to to nest, Beavers. and then the the, the beavers can't control you know, the, biolo the, the biologists in Yellowstone, yeah, the biologists say in Yellowstone, the wolves keep the landscape green. Yeah. Without the wolves, the landscape goes brown. It's in because, balance. So, so what it's happens? It's in that, balance. Right on the heels of the of the predator con predator management programs from the government under this the over oversight of uh, federal fish and you know. Uh, U.S. Fish and Wildlife, on the heels of that, now they have an angulate uh, management program. So some elk and deer are being called by the thousands every year because they're overpopulating Wyoming and Montana and Idaho because they, the wolf population is so small, they're not catching up. So now the angler need to be killed. So, I mean, 
Yeah. Let me put it this way. Every time humans interfere with nature and yeah. we create it, every time we fucked it up, every time we ruined it. There was no one case that humans interfere with the natural balance by predator control and angular control and fire control and management and forest. There's no one example where humans no. made nature better. No, no one example. For some yeah. reason, we keep thinking that the next one is going to be better, and we come with a new program, and we keep screwing up. I'm sure you know so, in Australia. I don't think. I mean, even though we, we... I said I'm sure you know about uh, in Australia they introduced uh, a rodent, thinking it would take care of a problem, and it ended up completely destroying the balance. And it's a uh, 20, 30 years later, it's still a huge problem because. Here we are trying to bioengineer something that's millions of years in the making, tested and true. And we come along because we're just so smart and we don't even understand how most of it works. It's very frustrating to me. And unfortunately, none of the people who claim to know the yep. answers are even embarrassed by all these mistakes. I guess it's trial and error for them. But for the species they're killing off, it's it's not trial and error. It's it's a one shot. Yeah. And they, yeah. They go extinct. Yeah. But anyway, let's shift gears. Yeah. yeah I went that... I went vacationing with my family. I went vacation with my family in the Caribbean and the lionfish that is killing every coral reef in the entire Caribbean and the all the reefs are dying with the coral fish and then and the endemic species that was introduced also. And now they're trying to kill the lionfish by the by the by the wheelbarrow. And they can't catch up with the way it reproduces and predates all the coral. So, I mean, we have created we're most enough all of the natural damage. We we are the ones that should be culled. We need to be culled. Oh my God! So, but well, my 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 theory, and not not only mine, but I mean there are many people that think that if we continue in this path of destruction, nature itself will find will will find a way to reduce. Uh, sure. to, to remove us from the equation. Maybe so, but we're doing a good job on our own. I don't think that they need it. We need any help from nature. And you know, the pandemic was such a great, a great lesson. I mean, nature bounced back in a big way in a short period of time. It proves how resilient it is and how damaging and harmful we are. But let's shift gears to something more pleasant. Let's talk a little bit about when a wolf yep. or a wolf dog is in danger. How do they happen to find their way to the Wolf Connection in Los Angeles? So we are part of a nationwide network of, of rescuers. Um, we are the only facility that has exploring the human-wolf connection the way we do. We have curriculums and programs and government contracts and so forth. We'll get to but that. But there are other wolf and wolf dog rescues in the country. So we... In, uh, there are three ways in which we receive wolf. One is an animal across the country needs, needs um, rescuing and some rescuers. What I call a rescuer is an individual that, that takes their time and effort and, uh, to rescue animals, but they don't own a facility like we do. So some rescuers find out and they, they put it on the wire. And then uh, if we have room, we claim the animal. The other ways is animals are confiscated 
by government agencies, whether it's uh, fish and wildlife or animal or local animal control, they confiscate the animal and they know about us. So we receive the call and typically we drive. I mean, we have vehicles driving across the country and trailers to into uh, those rescues. The third way is um, through individuals that surrender their own animals. They either are having uh, difficulty with the authorities and are risking their animals to be confiscated. And before that happens, they pick the location, the facility, or they, the animal. Obviously, some people have wolves as pets, thinking that it was going to be an easy ride. It never is. And so when the time comes, it's too much for them, and they surrender the animal to us. So that's uh, the, the three main main ways we receive we receive animals. And I want to say, once they come here, we spend a whole uh, introductory time, a quarantine time, taking care of their health and their behavior and, and, and really nurturing them back to health. And then they spend their lives with us. We don't adopt out. We don't uh, rent the animals for the movies. Uh, the animals stay here with us. And, and we then they, they be, some of them become ambassadors for the youth program that we deliver. So once they're lucky enough to come to the Wolf Connection, can you dig down a little deeper on the care they receive? Because there's a lot that goes into it and you have very experienced and well-trained people. I think it would be important to share kind of the depth of the care that is provided. Yeah, yeah. Well, at the beginning of Wolf Connection, it was a little bit of the Wild West. I mean, it was me doing my best, right? That's as a ball in 50, over 15 years has evolved. I have, like you said, a team of trained professionals. Uh, I have veterinary technicians on staff. We have um, people graduated from Moorport College of uh, Wild Animal Management and Care. So now we have a very sophisticated animal care and, and behavioral enrichment program. So once an animal arrives, this is a standard procedure. We go through the entire medical history. We can have a hands on it. Then, uh, and then we do a blood test and x-rays and spay and neuter if it's needed. And, and then we adjust, you know, weighing and we adjust their, their, their nutrition in a way that is accordance to their age, their prey drive and, and their weight. Um, and then we keep them in an observation period that can last, you know, between a few weeks and, and a few months that has to do with uh, adjusting their diet and watching their behavior. Wolves, typically when they come into a new environment, they are in their base behavior. So they're they are nice and they're, and they're submissive and they're, because they wanna be, uh, that's how they get accepted in, into a new pack in the wild, not by challenging anything. But once a wolf, after a few weeks of being accepted, they feel strong and now they, feel they have the nourishment, uh, then their true personality begins to, to come out. So knowing that we don't pair them up with other wolves right away, we, we allow for that process, allow their personality to come out and then see who they could live with and they could form a, a, a pack of a, of a, of a pair in, in an enclosure. So it takes, it takes a long time. And, um, you know, one of our pack care policies is that we don't spare any expense. There's no treatment for any wolf getting cancer or having a, any kind of neurological or behavioral, there's no, uh, uh, as long as we have the funds, we spend anything needed uh, for the care of a wolf for any length of time. So bottom line, we care of these animals better than I ever care for any of my pets. Mm -hmm. 
Uh, so we have a pack of 37 right now, and we go full out in anything that they can possibly need. CAT scan, CT, you know, everything and anything is, is available to them for whatever they need for as long as they live. And for people who aren't familiar at all with the Wolf Connection or its work, how does the Wolf Connection bring in the money needed to support these wolves? Thank you. So we have a, we are a nonprofit, obviously, and a 501c3 uh, NGO. And we, our main sources, well, three sources of, of revenue. One, we have a fee for service. So now our, our youth program, social, emotional learning and empowerment is uh, recognized at the local and state levels. So we have government contracts with uh, local counties and school districts, as well as the state of California. So that provides about 50% of our uh, annual budget. And then the other 50% is, is divided mostly on individual donations. So we, um, we are at a, trust, a trusted organization for many, many generous donors. And then uh, foundations that, that, that complete our budget, typically foundations fund specific projects, uh, construction, the development of our, uh, um, you know, like you have helped with significantly with the development of our new enclosures. And then there's a, um, a veterinary care facility, new quality, more quality, better quality of food and so forth. So it's, uh, it's three main buckets and none of them are viable without the others. So all these buckets in a way work as an ecosystem for us, just like the same as the wolf work with the other species, individual donors, programs and foundations work as a triad that helps help us uh, continue doing our work and, and growing. And I assume that you'd like people to know that anybody who's interested in helping to support wolves, you'd certainly welcome their interest, possibly donations or whatever else they can provide to the cause. Absolutely. So thank you for saying that. Yes, we are always in search of uh, new partners, new financial partners. Um, I like to say that I, I don't want uh, charity. I don't want the help. I want to partner up with people that have a, a, a higher vision, that their hearts is in the right place, either with helping the wolves and the, and the environment or and helping the youth. And I'm partnered up in a way that, yes, we receive the financial support and we give back meaning, purpose, a good stories to share with their families, a sense of legacy that, uh, that our donors enjoy by being part of this project. And I think one of the most uh, interesting things about what you're doing is you have taken your uh, insights about the human connection to wolves, and there is this sort of adult pushback at some level with some people, but you've figured out that there's a natural bond with children that hasn't got this layer of resistance built into it. Uh, and you've started to make part of your business model helping bond and cure and heal children in association with wolves. Can you explain how that works? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So look, a lot of this uh, um, resistance and, 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 and hatred towards wolves is based on judgment. I mean, a lot of that disappears the moment you meet a wolf. 
I mean, it's, it's like anything else, right? I mean, uh, you know, we have these ideas of things we don't know, and then we get to know the thing, and and, and our ideas change. So we have a, a as part of our mission to put people in front of a wolf in front, uh, as much as as much as we can. Obviously, we constantly care for the quality of life for the wolf, so we not we don't overwork them or we don't overexpose them to people. I mean, this they have their their play times and their enjoyment time and so forth. And tapping into the ancestral bond that I was discussing uh, or explaining earlier, we found that it's an extraordinary uh, avenue for healing, trauma, trauma healing, uh, psychological healing, and also, like I said before, the opening of the heart that allows these young people coming from from difficult neighborhoods with impoverished, from impoverished schools, some of them without a nuclear family that can support them, they come and they have the sense of belonging to the wolf pack themselves. So we we, we provide a program where they 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 feel that like now they belong. They're they're one with the wolves. The way the way some of our ancestors were used to be one with the wolves in the tribal system, and and that has. Um, a natural natural healing path. Uh, so the, 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 we have now longitudinal studies um, evaluating the result of our programs, and the and and the numbers are are mind blown, are really staggering. The 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 success rate of this program. Yeah, your kids really do find themselves somehow in this relationship, and it's interesting. It's they have a natural bond with wolves that perhaps adults have lost. Uh, it seems that they're not resistant to letting their heart reach out. In fact, several of them have shared a lot of hardship. You have a tripod, for example, a wolf with three legs. Talk about a little bit about how that kind of trial and survival has really impacted children who have their own trials yeah 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 that's a great question thank you so most of the kids that come here are the ones that have been discarded if you will meaning talk therapy didn't work for them counseling didn't work for them uh, and things don't work for them so they don't they can't talk about it so when they come here to the ranch we don't ask them to share their story instead we introduce them to the pack to the, and we tell them to let them hear the story of the wolves. And these wolves have gone through several similar hardships. They've gone, like you said, through through physical damage and, and, and wounds and sometimes an amputation out of you know an accident or something. Some of them have been moved from placement to placement, kicked around or mistreated or abandoned, neglected. And and this this youth begin to hear themselves in the story of the wolf, but it's a safe space because it's not about them, quote unquote. It's about that wolf in the enclosure, and so they get to relate to the wolf, and that's the beginning of the healing process. Because also at the same time of hearing that story, they're witnessing an animal that is having a happy life, and and so. The subconscious message that we're constantly pr proposing is that that animal went through the same things that you went through, but they, they were able to move on. 
And now they're able to have a happy, productive, long life, belonging to a pack. So if that animal can heal, so can I. If that animal can have a happy life, so can I. And we never tell them that, you know, verbally, but they receive that message constantly. And, and that's, that's a seed that is planted strong and we believe provides a long lasting, maybe lifelong uh, results. Yeah, as you can see this, in fact, um, you can see a, a show on Ecoflix remaking the wolf connection where we get into this a little bit and we can see the children and their connection and they talk about it. And it's really quite inspiring. And I think it's something that would not have occurred to me. So it's really a good use of the sort of wolf magic that is available uh, only probably at the wolf connection. Um, and actually, you're pioneering a new online technique to help children and associating them with wolves. Can you explain about that? Yeah, sure. So what happened, you mentioned the pandemic a moment ago. So during the, the COVID-19 uh, shutdown, we almost lost the organization. We lost all our funding, all our programs. The market was doing crazy things, so all our donors got panicked and scared and they didn't donate so well, it was a all. tough time we had lost all the not all <laughs> not all it's true you it's true you, you didn't you didn't panic uh the um so it was a tough time and we had to find a way to continue serving and one of the ways was to do some zoom classes to youth in the youth camps in the in the juvenile delinquent camps so we we for the first time we were doing online classes, and this they seem to work. So we we gathered with scramble some 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 funds to create a little bit of a more of a of an online platform, and that platform caught the eye of the LA County Department of Mental Health, and then through that agency caught the eye of the California Mental Health Authority. So currently, we now have uh, contracts with both agencies to to their roll out a three-year pilot uh, of a social, emotional, online learning platform that is based on the transformation and the life of these wolves and the the teachings, uh, the the lessons these wolves can teach us. So we are in the early stages of that rollout, but it's very promising. It's already have. Um, a few hundred users in different school districts and uh, in a testing phase. And we feel that this could be an answer for us to be able to impact youth that we cannot physically touch. Because of the nature of our program, so far we've been serving uh, schools and school districts and, and youth organizations within driving distance to the ranch. And now this online platform will allow us to expand beyond that, ra that range uh, nationally and worldwide, obviously. Yeah, it's a very remarkable and uh, I hope successful program. Uh, you also have another exciting development, and that's regarding the physical layout of the Wolf Connection. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, 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 obviously, and that's one that you know well, and you you have you are participating deeply in the development, uh, not only with your uh, with all kinds of support. I just put it that way. From from so yes, I mean we, this is long coming. Oh, yes, uh, this is long coming. I mean we 
the nature of these uh, facilities like ours is that we max out quickly. There's a lot of need for the rescue of, of wolves in that are privately owned or they come from fur farms where they're being raised for the pelt. So we, any, any new enclosure we, we build, we, we, we feel it immediately. So we, we had the need to double our capacity and this is what we are doing. And, and we are now over the last year been developing a whole new wolf compound with 24 new enclosures that will allow to more than double the current population of 37, perhaps another 40 or 50 animals in the next couple of years. And that's uh, close to completion in the next few months. Uh, we uh, we are opening this new, whole new area, and then that moves into the development of large multi-acre runs uh, that will allow the wolves to uh, enrich their behavior and expand, and 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 will allow the wolves to be wolves in a more natural environment. So it's very very exciting. I mean, this uh, we we are we have been already a one of a kind facility, and this puts us in a complete league of our own in terms of not only the wolf experience, but also the visitor experience, the donor experience, the program for the youth. I mean, this is transforming. Uh, that's why, you know, the the, the Ecoflix documentary is called Transforming Wolf Connection. That's exactly, or the remaking Wolf Connection. That's exactly what's happening. Well, volume two, as you know, is in filming. And as soon as you've finished and we can see the finished product, we'll cover that as well. because. I'm, of course, very excited about it, and I think it will be one of a kind in the world. I, I don't know of any place in the world you can see wolves other than in a cage up close and them actually enjoying it and you enjoying it, uh, which is uh, obviously a goal. Um, and I think that the new housing and spatial freedom, you're you're very careful to keep the pods, if you will, together, the wolves that are packs so that they can run and be with their pals and then they can explore new pens and smell all the smells from the pen, the pack that used to be yeah. there. And uh, I think there'll be a lot of reinvigoration of the wolves in this process of seeing a lot more acreage of the wolf connection than they can now. Yeah. Yeah. And imagine the, the, the joy of visitors to be able to witness all that. Yeah, I can't wait. I really can't wait. So uh, there's a lot more people need to come and see it themselves. But while we have the time, what else would you like us to know about wolves or the wolf connection that we can impart today? Well, the way I like to see, thank you for that question. The way I like to see wolves is... Um, as a symbol for the healing of the human heart. Like, you, you know, the, all of our dogs that we love so much living with us are descendants, evolutionary descendants from, from wolves. And there's a reason why we have, you know, each of us, you know, um, many households in the U.S. have a wolf descendant in their living room and in their, in their on their couch. So, couple of things. One is wolves, they live, is, is the closest in terms of a, of a human family in the wild. Uh, that's one. And the other thing is that don't, 
um, don't fall into 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 prejudice and judgment. If you don't know about wolves, inform yourself. If uh, if if you think that wolves, we have the thing, you know, we bought into Little Red Riding Hood and the three little pigs, and we grew up with those stories, and we think about wolf and we we get scared or or uh, or fearful. Take the time to to learn about wolves uh, in in a facility like ours, because also some of the documentaries out there, wolves in the wild, they constantly focus on the hunt, and they focus on the kill, and they show the wolf dripping blood, right, and, and killing the elk, and that typically doesn't help for those with those that are fearful of the wolves. So take a, take time to get to know this species. It's a it's a very worthy species. It's a species that uh, if, if left alone, can transform and sustain our ecosystem around us. And if we give it a chance to get to know them, can transform our heart and our view of nature. So it's a, it's a privilege for me to be able to work with wolves and be a, a caretaker and a steward of, of a small population of that species, because they have taught me and have given me so much. Yeah, it's uh, it's an incredible thing you're doing, and it's taken a long time, and you've really sacrificed a great deal. So, for for your sake, I'm I'm very happy that things are really working out, and for the wolves' sake, uh, I'm maybe even more happy because there really weren't any good alternatives, certainly not in Southern California. So, um, thank you for that, yeah. and I, with that, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to join us today. It's, it's been a, a wonderful podcast and I hope people enjoy it. Yeah. Thank you, David, for, for the, for the, my, the opportunity to be in this podcast, for your friendship, your generosity and your, your unquestionable and dying commitment to help animals all around the world. Thank you. You're very kind. Thank you.